the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Hey, way to go, Braves. In case you missed it over the weekend, uh, the Atlanta Braves are heading to the World Series for the first time since 1999. And that's bad news for Rob Manford, the commissioner, the big guy in the White House, and liberals everywhere. In case you had forgotten, uh, Major League Baseball yanked the All-Star game out of Atlanta because... uh, well, they didn't like Georgia's new election laws, uh, and they said it was meant to, their, their laws were meant to prevent blacks from voting. It's ridiculous, of course, but the false narrative was too hard for liberals to pass up. Uh, so the all-star game that hardly anybody ended up watching was moved to Denver, even though Colorado's laws are about the same. Uh, I made it through this baseball season, by the way, without seeing one live pitch in a game, and that includes the postseason and I won't see one pitch in the World Series. This is coming from a guy whose favorite sport used to be baseball. Major League Baseball is dead to me, has been for a long time. And maybe I'll do a segment on that one of these days. But right now it's time to celebrate the win by the Braves that puts Major League Baseball in a position to have nothing they can do about uh, the World Series being played in a state that uh, they have decided doesn't meet their standards. Maybe Black Lives Matter should put pressure on black players to boycott it. I wouldn't expect that to have a whole lot of success either. And to make it even more enjoyable, they should have Travis Tritt sing the national anthem before every game in Atlanta. He sang it before game six even though he's a major anti-vax mandate guy. Uh, And the Braves fans will be doing the tomahawk chop during the game, which I think is kind of dumb, but it enrages liberals, and that makes it more than worthwhile. Uh, And by the way, the the Braves had a relationship, do have a relationship, with the Eastern Band of Cherokee Indians, and they have no problem with the name or the chop. I don't know if that'll get out in the media. Let's hope it goes uh, seven so the Braves get as many opportunities as possible to drive the liberals nuts. Anyway, when we come back, Joe Biden has delayed the release of classified material relating to the JFK assassination until next December. It was supposed to come out next month or in December. Cyril Wecht, who knows a thing or two about the JFK, JFK assassination, will be here to comment on that. Stick around. We love our cellular shades from Blinds.com. They're beautiful and make our entire house feel more like home. Thousands of customers update their home every month with Blinds.com. Whether you just moved to a new place or just want to give your home a little love this fall, go to Blinds.com for brand new window treatments and make your house feel more like home. Blinds.com makes it easy and affordable to upgrade your whole house with the latest styles, premium materials, and even motorization with no hidden fees or misleading quotes. Not sure where to start? Get advice from a Blinds.com professional design consultant for free. Whether you want to do it yourself or have them handle the measuring and installation for you, Blinds.com has you covered with free shipping and a 100% guaranteed perfect fit. Go to Blinds.com now to shop and save up to 35% off site-wide. That's Blinds.com for up to 35% off. Blinds.com. Pay over time with PayPal credit at Blinds.com. PayPal credit is subject to credit approval. Visit Blinds.com slash PayPal for details. Rules and restrictions may apply. There's one box that you'd run back into your burning house to grab. It's the box filled with your videotapes, film reels, and photos. Those sentimental, meaningful, irreplaceable moments. Hi, I'm Nick Mako. And I'm Adam Baselogger. We started Legacy Box over a decade ago so that we could help families save their memories from being destroyed by floods or fires. And it's not just natural disasters, Adam. Every day, videotapes and photos are slowly fading away, decaying, neglected in closets and attics. Digitizing your old media stops fading, and preserving those recordings means they are safe forever. It's like magic converting your shoebox of memories into digital files ready to watch and share. It's the only way to ensure your legacy is safe for generations. That's why over a million families have already trusted Legacy Box. Legacy Box is simple and easy, it works, and is safe. We'd love to preserve your family's collection. Don't wait. The risk is too great. Visit LegacyBox.com slash LBOX to save 40%. That's LegacyBox.com slash LBOX to get started and save. 
LegacyBox.com slash LBOX. Do your pets have the same energy they used to? Do they have problems with itching, scratching, a dull coat, or goopy ears? Then your pets need Dinovite. D-I-N-O-V-I-T-E dot com. For over 20 years, pet owners have trusted Dinovite to supplement their pet's diet. We started Dinovite and in our first box, we noticed a difference. Dinovite is an all-natural daily supplement made from whole foods that helps support your pet's immune system, digestion, skin, and coat. Within three weeks, he's not scratching and itching and he's an all-around happier dog. Today's commercial pet foods are processed at high temperatures, which bakes out all the essential goodness. These processed foods can lack the essential vitamins, enzymes, and probiotics that contribute to overall good health. Adding a scoop of Dynavite to your pet's food bowl is the answer. If you love your pets as much as I do, you'll want to do what's best for them to live long, healthy, happy lives. I have two cats and two dogs. All four of them are on the Dynavite. You won't believe how happy your dog will be. D-I-N-O-V-I-T-E dot Hi, this is John Steigerwald. Does stopping tobacco or cutting down make you feel like a zombie? That's so unnecessary. MyNicotineTest.com was founded by the director of the New York City Fire Department Tobacco Program. Their science-based approach has a quit rate of 70% and they can help you. MyNicotineTest.com uses urine test strips to measure your nicotine levels and direct your quitting success at your pace. Now, for a limited time, receive your expert tobacco coaching free with your nicotine test purchase mynicotinetest.com you can stop without the cravings and cold turkey withdrawals that keep you smoking it works with all tobacco products including vaping and smokeless if you have questions call my nicotine test at 1-800-45-SMOKE that's 1-800-45-SMOKE leave a message if all tobacco counselors are busy not a smoker order a gift card for your loved one mynicotinetest.com there are no failures only tobacco users that have not yet found my nicotinetest.com mynicotinetest.com the john steigerwall show am 1250 the answer well with everything uh, that's going on right now it's not surprising that joe biden's decision to delay uh classified material related to the jfk assassination uh didn't get a lot of attention that story didn't get a lot of attention the release has been pushed back until december of next year one name that's been associated with this investigation since the beginning, and I'm talking about back to 1963, is Dr. Cyril Wecht of Pittsburgh, and he joins us now. Cyril, thanks for coming on the show again. I appreciate it. Uh, thank you for inviting me. A pleasure to be with you. I hope you uh, are well and the family and all your listeners. Okay, so do I. And same here. So um, they're, they're blaming the uh, delay on the pandemic. Cyril, are you buying any of that? No, not at all. The pandemic has nothing whatsoever to do with the release of uh, documents. Um, possibly a wild stretch to say that uh, it is not personnel working at the National Archives. Uh, they say they not handle this procedurally, um, but I, I buy that all. This is another delay, John, and I want to thank you very much um, because you're the only news media person that I know of in Pittsburgh that has addressed this, what is disgusting, amazing, and uh, deplorable, and so sad, is that news media people, including people that are intellectual, aggressive, always uh, concerned about news items and so on, completely ignore uh, this ongoing procrastination, delay, and cover-up. And, John, what is most amazing is the news media simply buy and do not comment upon the excuse that is offered by governmental authorities going back before Trump and then Trump and, and Biden now uh, to bring it up uh, to score. And I want to make it clear. Let me interrupt myself parenthetically. This is not a Republican, Democrat, liberal, conservative issue. Not at all. This is an issue that involves all of America and Americans and what we stand for. And that excuse that they keep offering is that release of this information with an assassination of November 22nd, 1963, that's 37, 21, that's 58 years, that release of that information would in some way compromise, harm national security. I will make this offer now as I have to tens of thousands of people every time I've talked about this. I want somebody to come up with a plausible, logical, intelligent answer as to how release of information pertaining to this assassination could compromise national security. 
Because keep in mind, John, we're not talking about Russians, Cubans, Chinese. We're not talking about uh, any foreign power. We're talking about, according to the Warren Commission, a single person, Lee Harvey Oswald, by himself, John, from beginning to end. Yeah. Never input with from anybody in any way, just simply went and shot and killed the president. What has that got to do with national security? Yeah, so um, here's the here's the statement from uh, from Joe Biden. Temporary continued postponement is necessary to protect against identifiable harm. I don't know what the pandemic has to do with this, but temporary continued postponement is necessary to protect against identifiable harm to the military, defense, intelligence operations, law enforcement, or the conduct of foreign relations that is of such gravity that it outweighs the public interest in immediate uh, disclosure. Isn't that what they've been saying for 60 years now? That, it, that yeah. we're just not ready to hear this information and it's too scary? They've been saying it yeah, all this time. And, uh, you know, just uh, hearing you read, you know, was something I've already read before. Yeah. Um, you know, you heard me chuckle. Um, it, it's just unbelievable. It is so absurd, absolutely absurd. Um, and the American public, uh, largely because, and I don't mean to dump on um, uh, <laughs> your profession, but, you know, nice. the news media, uh, the big boys, uh, New York Times, Wall Street Journal, on down through um, to local stations like yours and, and around the country. I wonder how many John Steigerwalds there are in the United States of America who are taking the time to call and interview somebody uh, yep. who is knowledgeable, involved as a critic researcher of the Warren Commission report, to ask them and give them an opportunity to, to talk about this. Um, John, let me just uh, succinctly put it this way. The killing of John Kennedy was a human tragedy, a, a, a great loss uh, to his family and uh, to his political supporters. It was a great loss to this country and a, a very negative turn in the bend of our socio-political development. It was a serious impingement and infringement on international politics in terms of what was going on because um, we had the Vietnam War, we had the CIA running amok and so on. And most importantly, most importantly, even more so than all of those points, John, is that it is a compromise. It is a marked infringement upon the very essence of what this country stands for. Democracy, freedom, um, uh, openness, honesty, ethics, morality, and, and, and to, to, to think that the American public cannot handle the fact. It's a brutal fact. It's a harsh one to accept, but we can handle it. And that is that the assassination of President John F. Kennedy was the overthrow of the government. It was coup d'etat in America. Yeah, that's, that, what the, that's, that's what the president a, yeah, was all about. Here's the thing, sir. I was going to leave this question for later, but uh, you you said that it's not. You know, they they're they're claiming that this would be a problem uh, for uh, national defense and and uh, all these other things. But if you and you you're saying it wasn't the Russians, it wasn't Fidel Castro, it wasn't the Chinese, uh, and you don't think it was the mob either. I don't think uh, who's left. No. No, no. The mafia, you know, they, they did some chores afterwards by direction, including um, Jack Ruby going in to kill Oswald in the Dallas Public Safety Building on Sunday morning, November 24th. Who was involved? Uh, I can't give you names because I don't know the names. Not that I'm afraid. Uh, I don't know the names. Uh, but I bet you, John, if God would give us the answer, I bet you that there weren't more than a half a dozen people, uh, if, if, if that many, who sat down and said, look, we can't sit back for five more years of John Kennedy, followed by eight years of Bobby Kennedy. A 13-year period in the socio-political development of a country is intolerable if we see our country going to hell in the basket. We've got to act upon it. Well, how do you act upon it? Were you going to beat the Kennedys at the polls? No way in the world were you ever going to beat the Kennedys at the polls, right? So what were you going to do? How were you going to bring into harness of the CIA that was killing and assassinating and overthrowing governments around the world anytime they felt that somebody was inimical to the best interest of our nation. Allende in Chile, our Benz in Guatemala, the M brothers in Vietnam, uh, Mossadegh in Iran, Lumumba in Africa. Whatever they wanted to do, they did. 
And Kennedy said, as he tore up a piece of paper in the presence of Senate Majority Leader Mike Mansfield, when he, following the Bay of Pigs debacle, uh, which the CIA was responsible for, he said, this is what I intend to do to the CIA. There you have it, John. Yeah. This is what I intend to do to the CIA. <laughs> so, um, I wish I had more than 15-minute segment here, but I want to get to the important stuff here. Um, I want to talk to you about the original autopsy and why, uh, I'm talking about on JFK, uh, why it has little or no credibility in your opinion. Why? Because Humes and Boswell, a naval pathologist who did the autopsy at Bethesda Naval Hospital that night, listen to this carefully, John, had never done a single gunshot wound autopsy in their entire careers. Okay? How do you like that? How about if the president had a brain concussion with a subdural hemorrhage, would they have called in a general practitioner or a dermatologist? Uh, or do you think they would have called in a neurosurgeon? Unbelievable in this great nation of ours that the president of the United States shot down in broad daylight in one of the major cities of this country that that autopsy was done by two guys who had never done a gunshot wound autopsy. You know how difficult that is, John? A, a case, multiple gunshot wounds, you have to determine angle, range, trajectory, sequence. Then you've got to correlate all of those wounds with the wounds in John Conley, governor who was shot in sitting in front of Kennedy. You know how difficult that is? That is a that is a buster, baby. That is really rough. And to think of Humes and Boswell doing this, honest to God, if it weren't such an important matter, I would just be laughing out loud. What happened to JFK's brain after the autopsy, and what should have happened to it? What happened was that they never examined it. They fixed it in formalin, which is what you do when a brain has been damaged, to harden it and change the consistency from a soft-boiled egg to that of a hard-boiled egg. So you can examine it in cereal sections like you'd cut up a hard-boiled egg for a salad. I don't mean to be crude, but there's no better metaphor to explain that very quickly to the listeners. And so they fixed it in formula. They went back two weeks later. And then look at the autopsy report. It says cereal sections of the brain are not made in order to preserve the specimen. Preserve the specimen? For whom? For Jackie Kennedy's uh, mantelpiece? Are you crazy? The, the reason that wasn't done was because cereal sections would have shown. The president was shot in the head um, twice, one shot from the rear and one shot from the front. And that was not disclosed by other people who knew about this until I got in there in 1972, uh, the first non-government-related, non-government-sponsored forensic pathologist given access to the autopsy materials. And I released that to the New York Times. They had an exclusive that Sunday, August 24, 1972, president's brain missing. It remains missing to this day, John. Never accounted for. Never, never accounted for. The brain of the president, dead of gunshot wounds to the head, was never examined. How do you like that? This is in America. Yeah, this but, is in America. But how is it possible to have any kind of a credible theory on, on how many shots were fired, where the shots came from, if you can't see the enter and exit uh, wounds? you know, or whatever it is that uh, a pathologist like you would look for, if you can't yeah, look well, at that, what's the point? Yeah, well, you got to go with certain things. you got to go with those doctors at Parkland Hospital who had no horse in the race, no dog in the race, and what they saw and what they did, which was completely inconsistent with what the two imbeciles that night at Bethesda said. Then you got to go with other evidence of an acoustics nature, of the uh, sounds, that were transmitted inadvertently by a police officer on a motorcycle who left his uh, lever in the transmitting instead of the receiving mode. And you go with those studies that were st examined by the House Select Committee on Assassinations, showing clearly that there were shots from the rear and from the front. And then you tie that all in with neurosurgery and neurology and pathology and so on. And you do, you do the best you can. And, and so we have enough to be able to say uh, with definite certitude that the president was shot twice in the head, once from the rear and once from the front. Uh, to be more definitive and come up with the things of an even more precise nature, you're right. That is what would have been required if the brain had been examined. Now, we've heard, we're talking to Cyril Wecht, and uh, the reason I have Cyril on is because it came out over the weekend, not to very much notice, 
that uh, Biden has uh, pushed back the release of information about the assassination for another year until December of 23, uh, December of 22, I mean. Uh, we've heard a lot about the deep state lately, uh, Cyril. Is, is that, whoever that is supposed to be, the only group that could have planned, uh, carried out, and covered up the ins- assassination? Yes, John, exactly. Now, these were uh, current or recently retired CIA military people, the deep state. These are the people, you know, that, that have controlled things and the deep state. And uh, maybe a little bit less so today than in past years. But remember, pre-Watergate uh, and, and so on, whatever uh, the government said, uh, you know, that was pretty much bought without question by uh, the news media across the board. And, uh, and that's what existed. And uh, to some extent, of course, today, the deep state, I wish that I could be more precise. But obviously, when you say deep state, you're not talking about uh, musicians and athletes and scholars and reporters, you're talking about people in positions of power. And that means CIA and military. That's what it boils down to. Were LBJ and J. Edgar Hoover involved in any way, do you think? Many of my colleagues among the uh, uh, learned critic researchers who were in Commission Report do believe that uh, LBJ was involved. Um, I personally do not believe LBJ was involved, not because um, I'm a great admirer of LBJ, but I, I, I don't have enough time to get into it. I don't think he was involved. I think that there's no way in the world that Hoover did not come to know very fast, very quickly, very quickly, that this was a, um, a, uh, a civilian American plot and not a foreign one. So they, covered up. so they, 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 you think that they might be involved in a, one or both of those two could have been involved in the cover-up, but not in the planning of it? Yes. Now, you know, I could be wrong. I would bet my life that LBJ and Hoover weren't involved, but I'm just giving you my opinion in response to your question. Yeah. But as far as cover-up, there's no question in the world. There wasn't a thing that took place in America that J. Edgar Hoover did not know. Whether you had sex with your wife, whether I had steak for a dinner, I mean, anything he wanted to know, right. he knew. Right. No way in the world, okay? So uh, that, that was it. Cover it up. The American public, they felt, could not handle it. Could not handle. Remember that great line, Jack Nicholson, in that wonderful movie? Yep. <laughs> you, you can't handle the truth, right? Yep. So they made a decision for Americans that we could not handle the truth. And they continue with that decision that we cannot handle the truth. Well, we can handle it, and we damn well better handle it and make sure that something like this never happens again. Uh, I have about a minute and a half left, and uh, they're going to—they say they're going to release this stuff next December. Now, a year from now, uh, I'm not necessarily going to put any money on that. But if if they had released it uh, this year, what what were they? What what is it? What could they be releasing? What do you think they're going to put out there? Is it going to be a big well, disappointment? There are tens of thousands of of documents, tens of thousands of pages that haven't been released. Of things that they learned from people that they investigated, that they interviewed, that were never called before the Warren Commission. Um, Experiments that they themselves did to show that uh, uh, you could not have that kind of a situation involving the alleged Manneker, Carcano, non-automatic bolt-action weapon as the murder weapon. They could not have Commission Exhibit 399, the so-called magic bullet, uh, the stretcher bullet, that supposedly produced seven wounds and two men breaking two large bones and Governor John Conley and emerging near pristine with a total weight loss of only one and a half percent. Those are the things that we would learn definitively from the test that they themselves conducted, I assure you. And they can't get it out there. They, they don't want to put it out there. I got 30 seconds, and I'm up against a break. Just real quick, if they do release everything, and and I mean everything, would it be impossible not to conclude that Lee Harvey Oswald wasn't the only shooter, or if the end, the uh, shooter at all? Uh, that's a very excellent question. I'm not sure. I, you know, um, I'm not really uptight about Oswald. I, I personally don't think he was a shooter. I think he was a patsy all the way, uh, from beginning to end. But, you know, I don't really care. If you want him as a shooter, take him as a shooter. Give me the second shooter, which John makes it a conspiracy under the laws of every state and the federal government. Two or more people involved in the planning, execution, cover-up of a crime is a conspiracy. And that is why uh, the Warren Commission report is not interested in releasing uh, the people now in charge of everything 
because they know that once that door is open, then where will it lead? Hey, where will? Yep. Well, hey, hey, Cyril, I'm out of time. Uh, nobody's better on this than you are. I'm glad that you're uh, willing and able to come on and talk about it. And maybe next December, when it finally comes out, we'll try it again. I appreciate it. Hey, John, I appreciate your interest. Uh, thank you very much, John. It was a great opportunity. Uh, I wish you and, and your, all of your listeners uh, the very best. Thank and, you, John. And we Thanks. wish the same for you, and we'll be right back. With SRN News, I'm John Scott. Democrats are signaling an urgency to strike a compromise inside their own ranks as time is running out to pass a massive tax and spin bill in the Senate. With the number of legislative days for the current session dwindling, Democrats remain at odds over what to keep in their massive Build Back Better bill. Some of the key sticking points include immigration, expanding Medicare, and climate change. Some say the drawn-out intraparty dispute is a problem in itself. As Senator Jeff Merkley of Oregon put it, quote, I don't know if soap opera or a nightmare soap opera is the right wording, but we're in big trouble right now with this extended getting-nowhere legislation. Bob Agner reporting. Relatives of more than two dozen American hostages and wrongful detainees held overseas are telling President Biden in a letter that they question his administration's commitment to bringing their loved ones home. That letter was obtained by the Associated Press. This is SRN News. Why are cash out refinances such a big deal right now? Uncle Ryan tries to teach me something. I really feel like right now might be a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. I've been doing this for 18 years now, and I've just never seen a market where the rates are so low and values across the country have skyrocketed as much as they have. That combination, um, I remember one couple in particular, they were looking to do some home improvements at the house, but they were worried about their payments going up. Well, with rates being so low and them building up so much equity in the home over the last few years, were you able to get them the cash out for those home improvements and their payments actually went down a little bit? Every single situation is different, but it does happen more often than you think. So it definitely does not hurt to call. We are United Faith Mortgage. United Faith Mortgage is a DBA of United Mortgage Corp. 25 Middle Park Road, Melbourne, New York. Licensed mortgage banker. For all licensing information, go to Animalist Consumer Access. Dollar Corporate Animalist Number 1330. Equal housing lender. I license in Alaska, Hawaii, Georgia, Massachusetts, North Dakota, South Dakota, or Utah. Larry Elder explains why we see a backlog of goods. There is one very specific regional issue driving the problem. The trucking issue with L.A. ports, all semi-tractors have to be current with new California emissions standards. Not COVID, not shortage of workers. The Larry Elder Show, weeknights at 7 on AM 1250. The Answer. Hey, football fans, I am Kate Scott. And I'm Mike Golick. Join us right here every Saturday for College Football Saturday Night. We're going to be bringing you some of the best play-by-play action from around the country, as well as the sights and sounds of college football. So come hang with us as we check out some of the best college towns from coast to coast. The mascots, the tailgating, the traditions, we're going to have it all. Yeah, tailgating's the key part of that, Kate. Catch us right here for College Football Saturday Night, because Saturday nights are supposed to be fun. Qualifying for Medicaid is complicated, and the timing of your application is critical. This is Jay Hagerman of Abernathy and Hagerman. The biggest mistake? Not consulting with a qualified legal professional before you apply. There's a lot at stake, especially for those with a spouse staying at home. At Abernathy and Hagerman, we can help you navigate the Medicaid rules so you can properly protect some or all of your life savings from a long-term care crisis. Before you apply, contact Abernathy and Hagerman at a-h.law. These days, physical distance can keep us safe and healthy, but emotional distance can strain relationships, especially if drugs or alcohol are involved. If substance abuse or addiction is creating a barrier between you and your child, you may feel alone and you may not know where to turn, but we're here to help you and your family. Partnership to End Addiction offers free resources, guidance, and support just a click away. To end addiction, start with connection. To learn more, reach out to us at drugfree.org. AM 1250 and FM 92.5. The Answer. WPGP, Pittsburgh, a division of Salem Media Group. Listen on the Answer mobile app, smart speakers, tune in, iHeart, or Odyssey. Stuck in traffic? We've got the answer. On outbound 51, you'll see some delays on your way to Library Road, but about under five minutes for that delay. Heavier on the Parkway East on the outbound side. 
from 885 to the Squirrel Hill Tunnel. Delay around seven minutes on the inbound side. Also about an extra seven altogether. On the Parkway West, not too bad. Just a little congested inbound Green Tree to the Fort Pitt Tunnel. That's a look at traffic. I'm Jenny Robinson. AM 1250, The Answer. Weather. Tonight we'll see considerable clouds with a couple of showers and a thunderstorm. Mainly later tonight, we'll reach a low of 49. Tomorrow will be breezy with occasional rain and drizzle. We'll see a high tomorrow of 50. Tomorrow night, low clouds with a low of 45. For Wednesday, low clouds once again. Expect a high of only 59. With your AccuWeather forecast, I'm forecaster Drew Shannon. This is the John Stackerwalt Show on AM 1250 and FM 92.5. The answer. Well, the last uh, few days we've heard people in the Biden administration pushing government-mandated paid family leave, uh, universal health care, all kinds of other things. And, and if you listen to America's favorite communist, uh, Bernie Sanders, for more than a minute, you'll hear him say how wonderful Europe is and how we should be more like those countries. David Harsani is a, a senior contributor to National Review. He's written a new book called Eurotrash, Why America Must Reject the Failed Ideas of a Dying Continent. And he joins us now. Good to have you on again, uh, David. We had you on a little while ago, and uh, was it not about your book, but now your book is officially out. So thanks for coming on. It's a pleasure. Thanks for having me. So based on the title, would it be safe for uh, everybody to assume that you kind of disagree with Bernie on on Europe? <laughs> Say it's safe to say I disagree with them probably about everything yeah. I think in the world, but yeah. definitely about Europe. Yeah, I think Europe is the trajectory of Europe is not good. I think that we beat them in almost you know any quantifiable way in economically. I think we're a more moral place. I think we're a more vibrant and dynamic place. I think um, the kind of people we have here are not risk averse, and they are you know and they live in a merit merit-filled world, and I don't think any of that's actually happening in, in Europe, certainly not to the level it happens here. Now, we kicked the European country out of here almost 250 years ago. Um, when did it become fashionable to want to start imitating them? Right. The whole idea of America is not to be like Europe. We've already taken all, all their best ideas. We took them many years ago. I think it's always been somewhat fashionable among elites and academics to look towards Europe, even after and during and before uh, giant um, upheavals and tragedies in Europe, like World War II, like communism, like World War One, and still, you know, uh, elites would look to, towards Europe, artists would look towards Europe, things like that. But what bothers me, I think, is that now you have politicians and um, journalists and pundits talking about Europe all the time as a place we should be looking to for good ideas. And I'm not saying they can't have any good ideas in Europe, or that they can't have some new idea. I'm saying that that the ideas that the that the um, elites here like aren't better than the ideas we already have, and we should uh, not be looking towards them. They should be looking towards us. How how was it that Europe produced? Uh, speaking of World War II, people like uh, Hitler and Mussolini. What was it about Europe that allowed a monster like Hitler to not just emerge but almost take over the world? <laughs> Well, that's a, that's a complicated question, but I'd say, you know, the short answer, I think at least, is that European people are, are quite pliant, right? They're, they listen to authority. They look towards authority. That's one thing. But another thing is that they try to replace faith with other things, and they replace it with fascism or with communism or with monarchy or with, you know, mo- monarchs. Or, you know, now they look towards this giant bureaucracy um, called the European Union to, to guide them and, uh, you know, move forward. When you look at polls, like in Finland, for instance, I know, uh, and you ask people, do you like the government? Are you happy with the content with the government? Like 91% of people say yes, but they always say yes, no matter who's in the government, because they always, they're just compliant, docile people in that way now. That's interesting that you say that, David, because I've been doing a lot of stuff with Canada and, and how uh, it's turned into North Korea uh, over, over covid and I spend a lot of time up there, and I know people there, and I have property up there. And I've asked multiple people from different parts of Canada a question about why the the, the people haven't revolted, why they've been why they've been so compliant to use the word you used. And they said exactly what you just said about Europe that that it's not in their DNA. They are, uh, and, I, and I never thought about this before, but you know what you've said just here and what you say in your book. 
uh, Canada is more like a European country than it is like a uh, like the United States, as it turns out. And it, and it's all because of what's in our DNA. Someone said to me, "Look, you guys had a a violent revolution. We changed. Uh, we 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 got out from under England in a peaceful way. And so it's just not in our <laughs> DNA to be revolutionaries like that. I never thought about it, but I, I had multiple people say that to me. Yeah, their flag should say "Tread on me," right? Yeah, <laughs> I mean, right. uh, they, you know, the 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 United States is built to reject Europe. Uh, the Monroe Doctrine rejected Europe. We didn't want Europe around. Uh, we wanted to do our own thing. And listen, Europe is not a terrible place compared to many other places in the world. I'm not saying that. Nor am I saying that we're some kind of utopia here. We're certainly not. Um, I'm simply saying that the ideas of the founding. The, the, you know, I think of Americans as self-selected risk takers, immigrants that come here, take risks, and they know that they come here, they're going to be in a place where if they do well, they can work themselves out of poverty. People have done that in waves and waves of immigration, and they've assimilated into the idea of American, American society. That doesn't happen in Europe. Europe has ghettos of people generationally who have a hard time finding work, who don't know the language, et cetera, et cetera. And it's just... Um, it tears away the fabric of those places, and we don't really have that yet, and I hope we won't. And how, how do Europeans these days view the United States based on uh, what you found in your book, when working on your book? Well, it's funny. I, yeah, I mean, a lot of they think we're a bunch of slack-jawed yokels with guns, right? I mean, that's what most of them probably think, or many of them do. But the truth is, when you dive deeper into the polls, I think average Europeans still admire America in many ways. You know, I think they admire the freedom of it or and things like that. I'm not sure they want to participate in that sort of life. I think their safety, when polls show it, I mean, safety is far more important to the average European than freedom. Having a job, you know, a lifelong job waiting for them is more important than trying to, you know, go out there and compete to get a better job. And I mean, it's not always about money. It's about living the life you want, living where you want, things like that. So I think Europeans are far more interested in safety than freedom, but many, I think, still admire the United States. And I think Canadians, I hate to say, are, view the Americans the same way, a bunch of gun-toting uh, rubes. Um, but um, so uh, in Chapter 1, this is really interesting. You, you include a passage from the inscription on the Statue of Liberty that we never hear from people who want to open our borders. I have not, until I read that in your book, I, I was not aware of that passage. It's, it goes with the one that everybody's heard, but it's the one that's, that's kind of left out. Yeah, now I'm on the spot because I, don't, I remember the first part is, you know, give us your tired and the poor, et cetera. And then the second part is leave your, I forget the exact wording, but something like leave your customs and, you know, behind or something like that. Yeah, it basically says leave, we want, we, you're welcome here, but don't bring your baggage with you. Yeah, that's what we, so, you know, people say diversity is, is our strength. That's just a trope. I mean, the truth of the matter is it's not diversity that's our strength. Our strength is that we have diverse people who accept the same ideas. Um, and they don't bring with them the theocratic ideas or they don't bring with them other ideas that undermine the freedoms of their neighbors. I think that that's something we often forget. We don't we we, we keep a lot of our culture, Irish, Jewish, you know, in, Indian, you know, anyone. But we, we also accept a, a new model to live under. And without that, we don't have a coherent nation. Um, and that's something that doesn't happen in Europe. We're talking to David Harsani. He's the, uh, edit the uh, not the editor, he's the author of a book, Eurotrash, Why America Must Reject the Failed Ideas of a Dying Continent. Um, in Chapter 1, you write, quote, We have uh, mined the best aspects of European thought, ideals of the Enlightenment, the moral codes of Judeo-Christianity, the economic dynamism, dynamism of... Uh, uh, capitalism and improved on them. This is as true today as it was in 1983, which is why Europe should be looking to us for solutions and not the other way around. What makes them think they got it right still? <laughs> well, I think, again, because they believe that having uh, safety and having, uh, you know, health care free waiting for them is more important than being in a society that competes, not just competes in um, economic ways, but also like in religious ways, you know, you have a lot of religions here and they try to, uh, you know, bring adherence to their church, for instance. So they have good, better messages, etc. You know, we're, we're always competing and they view that kind of messiness and, uh, you know, uh, gridlock and, uh, you know, in, in a way that that is negative. They think that that's ugly and stupid. They like order and, you know, or seeming order. And 
you know, they're technocrats. They want to tell people what's right and what's wrong, what they should be doing. Um, and we, we're not that way. I don't know if you saw the other day, there was a, um, a Washington Post columnist had gotten into an elevator. She wasn't, she was wearing a mask and the other guy wasn't. She says to him, uh, you know, I think you should be wearing a mask. This is wrong. And he says, I don't care what you think. <laughs> to me, that's sort of an American yeah, credo. You I know, you do that, your yeah. own thing. Yeah, that's great. So, yeah. so it's like get off my lawn is the American yeah. credo. And um, there's nothing wrong with that. And But that's not the European way. You know, and they view us as selfish also, which is ridiculous because we give seven times per capita as much charity as they do. Yeah, and here's, I'm, I'm finding your, uh, the quote from the, the New Colossus. Uh, it says in your book, almost invariably, those quoting the New Colossus, which is the, the, the uh, Statue of Liberty inscription, I guess, um, so they skip the line that immediately precedes it, which instructs those who enter, quote, keep ancient lands your storied pomp with silent lips. And you write, in other words, the United States wants you, but please leave the stifling customs and ideal ideas of your old home at the door. And that was, uh, that was a long time ago that the, this was... Uh, this was this was the sentiment, you know, and uh, sure. nobody ever mentions that last line of that inscription. Yeah, I mean, you know, my, you know, my parents were um, my parents were immigrants here in the uh, late sixties, and they would ask you, you know, are you a communist or are you, you know, are you this? Are you going to be on welfare? You can't be on welfare if you come here. You come here to stand on your own feet. This is not, you know, you don't bring your class your class biases with you. In America, there we don't we're not very class conscious at all. I mean, I think that the left wants us to be, but people don't think that way here. Or they didn't used to. Of course, there are classes, but you know it's always changing. For instance, when you look at the richest people in America, many of them are self-made, far more here than in Europe. So um, yeah, I mean, I think that that speaks for itself. That poem. Um, now, one of my favorite lines of all time in a movie is, was in one of the. Uh, uh, Austin Powers movies, uh, Mike Myers, uh, I guess, wrote it. Um, he's, it, it. Austin Powers says, you know, in a perfect world, there would be no need for utopia. Uh, I, th- I, I, think that, I think that's great. But uh, So what about those uh, socialist Scandinavian utopias we hear about all the time? Well, I mean, there's a famous, uh, you know, the economist Milton Friedman is a famous economist, and someone once, uh, you know, long, you know, he's dead a while, but someone once asked him or told him that, you know, in Scandinavia, we have no poor people. And he said, well, that's great, because in the United States, we have no poor Scandinavians either. You know, something about Scandinavian culture that lends itself to success, and that's just a fact. Um, But more than that, the idea that we could scale that kind of welfare state system just 350 million people is, is outrageous. I mean, we can't even raise taxes on the middle class if we wanted to, and no one wants to. They want the rich to pay for everything. But in Scandinavian countries, you know, a person who makes $60,000 has to pay around 60% of his or more of his salary and taxes every year to have that welfare state. I just don't think Americans have it in their DNA to do that, nor should we want to, because an administrative bureaucracy and welfare state the size you know, besides, you know, that would fit for 350 million people would be massive and it wouldn't work and we shouldn't want it. And um, is Scandinavia actually more capitalist than it is socialist? Because people like Bernie Sanders like to like to use it as an example of a socialist country that's doing wonderfully. Yeah, he always, he always talks about the welfare state there. That if, if they can give this free and that free, we should be able to do it. But the truth is that uh, in, in many Scandinavian countries like Denmark, free trade barriers are far lower. There's a lot less regulation. Obviously, they're never going to compete with us in the sense of competition because they're small nations. But they're far more capitalistic than they are socialistic. I would call them just welfare states. But Bernie is a Trotskyite. I mean, he's a, common, you know, he's a socialist and he wants the, the state to run everything. Uh, that's not what happens in, in Denmark. Now, don't get me wrong. I think what they're doing in Denmark stifles competitive, competitiveness and things like that. But it is not a socialist nation in the way that Bernie envisions in no way. Well, the, the big thing right now is family leave. You have Pete Buttigieg out there um, saying, you know, talking about uh, paternity leave. And, uh, and this is he wants to be a role model now for why we should have paid family leave. Uh, why is why is he and, and people like uh, Bernie Sanders, why are they wrong when they say we should be like Europe and have the, the government provide paid family leave? 
Well, I mean, I guess I have an idealistic problem with the government telling a business what they have to do in the I, sense of giving someone more money. Right. So do I. Yeah. yeah that's that's, so that's, that's pretty <laughs> simple, actually, isn't it? <laughs> I think so. Um, but many companies do it anyway, right? I mean, yeah. many companies give leave, and, and that's how it should be. There should be societal pressures for that sort of thing, not state in, you know, instructions to do it. And at least that's just my ideological view. Is there any country in Europe where health care is better or more accessible than here in your research? Um, no, I mean, but it's complicated because many, like England, I mean, Britain is more socialistic than, say, another country, but nowhere is... we have. Everyone has access to health care. It's a big myth that people don't have access to health care. And it's a big myth, quite frankly, that we don't have as good health care as any place. It is more expensive, but we get more uh, quite often. And also it's expensive because we are constantly creating the, the, the best technology when it comes to medicine. And that costs a lot of money. I think that a lot of those things get cheaper as time goes on. We're finishing up here with David Harsani. He's uh, the author of uh, Eurotrash, Why America must reject the failed ideas of a dying continent. Um, the Europeans have, have uh, as you point out in your book, uh, they, as you put it, aped uh, are a lot of what we do since for the last couple hundred years. They've copied a lot of what we've done to make themselves better, their countries better. And yet they still think we should be more like them. Right. I mean, the European Union itself is supposed to be is modeled on the American federalist system, though they don't, you know, you know, it's changed because the European Union has become more and more centralized and more powerful over smaller nations. But initially, it was supposed to be like the American, you know, system of states and, and stuff like that. After World War II, a lot of countries embraced capitalism in the way that the United States practiced it. And they had miracles of economic miracles post-World War II. There was huge growth in places like Germany. Um, that had a lot to do with our health, but it also had a lot to do with their work ethic and, and open economy. Well, England, which didn't participate in that sort of thing, and there are other reasons, didn't do as well after World War II. Um, so a lot of, the, you know, the, for a long time, they were embracing America. Sweden, for instance, became, a, a, you know, was one of the poorest countries in Europe in the beginning of the century. And then by the end, by the mid-70s, it was one of the richest. Um, and that's when they started embracing welfare state and socialistic policy. They'd already been wealthy. Um, by the 90s, they were trying to turn back the clock a little bit on that. So uh, it's a lot more complicated than people think. Uh, I'm out of time, David. I hope you send a copy to Bernie Sanders, um, and they'd love to have him read it. I have a feeling he wouldn't read it, but uh, I, I appreciate you being on the show. Good luck with the book. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Okay, and that's David Harsani. The book, again, is Your Trash, Why America Must Reject the Failed Ideas of a Dying Continent. Stick around. Hey, do you smoke or do you know anybody who smokes? And if you know somebody who does smoke or if you smoke yourself, do you know anybody who doesn't want to quit if they are smoking? Uh, I mean, maybe there are some people out there like that, but I think most people would like to quit. And uh, if, it, if you're one of them or if you know someone who's like that, uh, you need to go check out MyNicotineTest.com. It was uh, developed by uh, the guy who used to run the uh, – who used to work for the uh, New York City Fire Department. Uh, he was the director of their tobacco program, and he treated hundreds of first responders after their, uh, they were um, exposed to tons of smoke at ground zero. And it, when he took over looking at this problem, they had a 28% uh, smoking, um, uh, 28% of the, the guys in there, not guys, men and women, 28% of them smoked. After this program, it's down to four. The the quit rate is seventy percent. You do a urine test on a strip. They do a they they check out your personal chemistry. They come up with a program with your smartphone, and uh, it's a seventy percent success rate. You should give them a call at one eight hundred forty five smoke one eight hundred forty five smoke or go to mynicotinetest dot com. Hey, I'm Andy. If you don't know me, it's probably because I'm not famous. But I did start a men's grooming company called Harry's. The idea for Harry's came out of a frustrating experience I had buying razor blades. Most brands were overpriced, overdesigned, and out of touch. At Harry's, our approach is simple. Here's our secret. We make sharp, durable blades and sell them at honest prices for as low as $2 each. We care about quality so much that we do some crazy things, like buy a world-class German blade factory. Obsessing over every detail means we're confident in offering a 100% quality guarantee. Millions of guys have already made the switch to Harry's, so thank you if you're one of them. And if you're not, 
we hope you give us a try with this special offer. Get a Harry starter set with a five-blade razor, weighted handle, shave gel, and a travel cover. All for just three bucks, plus free shipping. Just go to harrys.com and enter 3388 at checkout. That's harrys.com, code 3388. Enjoy. It's finally time to replace that old leaky roof, or how about some new siding? You can count on Windows or Us, the area's premier exterior replacement company. This is John Steigerwald. With over 50 years' experience in the home remodeling industry, Windows or Us offers repair and replacement for roofs, siding, gutters and downspouts, windows, entry doors, even decks. A leaky roof left unfixed can lead to mold and mildew. Maybe you lost siding during the recent windstorms. Don't put those repairs off. Windows R Us offers 12 months no interest financing and no processing fee through Dollar Bank. Want new factory direct replacement windows for your home or office? Choose from 100% vinyl, commercial aluminum, wood, and composite. And how'd you like to never clean your gutters again? For a limited time, get a free gutter filter with the purchase of complete siding or roof replacement. Offer valid through 123121. All with 12 months no interest, no processing fee, and backed by the best warranty in the industry. Schedule your free estimate and inspection today at windowsrustpittsburgh.com. That's windowsrustpittsburgh.com. The John Steigerwall Show, AM 1250, The Answer. Well, every once in a while on this uh, uh, radio program, we get ahead of everybody, and I think we did uh, when we had, it was either last week or at the end of the week before, I can't even remember when it was, we had someone from the White Coat waste project on to talk about how uh dr fauci was okay with um working on uh, using beagles beagle puppies for uh experiments and uh, he hasn't i don't think he's been uh, gotten nobody's gotten him to comment on it yet well it came out this weekend that one of the things they did was they took these beagle puppies and they put their head they 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 um they uh, tranquilized them, but then they put them their heads inside a cage with sand flies, and they let the sand flies eat them to death. Uh, and uh, that's one of the experiments. And still have not heard a, an explanation from Doctor Fauci. Hope it's coming soon. What a creep that guy is. I'll talk to you tomorrow. John Steigerwald Show is a production of the Answer Pittsburgh and Salem Media Group. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.